0: what's up everybody alex here i know it's been a while but i'm back we got a strong schedule for the next few weeks on new episodes life's been absolutely crazy let me catch you up on a couple of things been watching a lot of uh grappling tournaments a lot of the ibjjf a lot of the Gordon Ryan uh, absolutely crushing everybody. But most of all, I actually have been busting my ass, getting my company back up and running, uh, just doing tons of work. I've been fortunate enough to be working with Scott Hirano at Combate Global. Uh, in case you haven't seen it, I am with a band now. I play bass for a band called Sons of a Tradesman. Check out the music. We're on Spotify. We're playing uh, and uh, we're actually working on getting a tour together. So if you got any spots uh, up the East Coast of the United States that you think uh, you'd want to hear our band playing, hit me up. Let me know. We're down to go touring. Other than that, just been uh, going nonstop, man. I actually took a shot to the Dome training about a month ago, got really bad vertigo. So been having to kind of take care of that. Still got a little bit, but we're going back to training this week, obviously trying to lift and just overall, just nonstop, man, no sleeping, just kind of keep on grinding. Life's been crazy, just like I'm sure it has for all of you. I hope everybody's doing great. Thank you to everyone who's been reaching out, asking what's going on with the podcast when the next episode's coming on. Um, Today's episode is actually someone that I've been wanting to get on the podcast for a while, uh, I've known this guy for a couple of years, uh, been fortunate enough to been around him uh, when he was still fighting for the UFC and uh, training to do a bunch of other fights. Um, this is Matt Van Buren and this man is an OG to the fight game. If you guys don't know, he was part of the Ultimate Fighter Season 19. He was on Team Frankie Edgar. Um, awesome dude. Uh, Really smart guy, really down-to-earth kind of dude, but I want you guys to listen to this episode and really kind of take the time to dig in on some of the things that he has to say because not only are we talking about, you know, kind of pulling yourself out of a hole when you're depressed and trying to figure out what you want to do career-wise, Uh, You know, some of you might be fortunate enough that you never had to deal with that, but it doesn't have to deal with just with career, you know, maybe with your goals, maybe with your jujitsu, maybe with your fighting, whatever it is. I really, really think that you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode. I sure did. Um, There's a lot of things that that Matt talked about that I definitely related to. And there's a lot of things that kind of I feel for me anyway, definitely sparked a little bit something um, on how we can all improve as individuals to really get after it and get what we want so with that being said i hope you guys enjoy the episode check out Matt van buren make sure you follow all his social media i'll put it out in the links below and i'll catch you guys on the next episode all right ladies and gentlemen I've wanted this guy on the podcast for a very long time. I've known him for a few years now. Uh, Probably uh, was it from the Jocko days, like since, what, 2016, where you were coming to train a Jocko, Black Zillions?
1: Might have been,
0: yeah, 16. Yeah, it's been a while. 16,
1: 16, yeah.
0: Matt Van Buren, a.k.a. Gutter. Are you still using
1: Gutter? Hey, it just depends who you talk to, you know? (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) no. No, most, of the, most of the time, no.
0: Oh, yeah, like it depends on, on uh, how far the uh, the new clients ask about your, your career, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. How you been, man? I've been doing well, man. Just uh, <clears throat> same thing I've been doing, just grinding hard. It's just a, a different field now, a different yeah. arena.
0: Yeah, you're out in Texas now, right?
1: Correct. Yeah, I moved out to uh, Dallas about a year and a half ago.
0: So like, so right when kind of things started opening back up for, from the pandemic, you decided to go to Texas?
1: Yeah. So how I ended up in Texas, um, kind of like before the, let's see, when I, when I started transit, when I started trying to get into, uh, life insurance, high commission sales, right. I was working in Florida and Florida is a very tough market to sell life insurance um and the main reason there's two reasons for that one is because people are assholes right <laughs> that's true Very Florida. Right. That's Florida. Yeah, yeah. you've got a lot of new yorkers and like people from the northeast and they're just they're rude you know what i mean they're not easy to to deal with in a one-on-one especially when you're trying to sell them something yeah uh even though they requested the information which is the, the, that's a whole nother topic it's kind of weird you know yeah. people People take the time to fill something out and mail it in, and they get so bent out of shape when you actually contact them about it, even though they put their phone number down. It's like you wanted me to call you, <laughs> and you're being an asshole to me. Like, bro, I didn't pull you out of the phone book. Like, what the fuck, <laughs> you know? Like, so, um, and with life insurance, right? You got to be able to knock on the door is the main thing. So. It doesn't matter what they tell you on the phone because that's just uh, sales resistance. You know what I mean? Like, mm. people are always going to tell you no, even if they don't really mean no initially. For the most part, you know, uh, it's like you, you ever gone to the store, right? And you want to buy something. And like, let's say you you were going to like Macy's or some shit, and you knew you were going to buy a shirt, right? Right? And then the guy in Macy's walks up to you and he's like, "Can I help you?" What do you tell him?
0: Like, no, I'm good.
1: You're like, no, I'm good, but you know you're there to buy a shirt, and you can probably. <laughs> It could probably save you five or 10 minutes by showing you where the shirt is you're looking for. You know right, I mean? right, right. But you're like, no, nah, I'm good. It's just it's natural sales resistance, right? So it doesn't matter what somebody says on the phone, you got to knock on the door and get a note to your face, type of thing, especially when you're buying leads, you know. Um, and so in Florida, you can't really do that because there's so many damn gated communities. Everything's a gated community, you know, even the mm. lower income neighborhoods are gated. So like I was working, I was working when I first started, I I was working, I was driving to, uh, Volusia County every week, which is, which is where Daytona is. I don't know. So like, I would leave my house Sunday, Sunday evening. I would check into the Airbnb Sunday night. I would work Monday through Friday all week. And then I would come back for like Saturday and half a day Sunday. Right. And I did that for a year straight when I first got in the business. Cause uh, but you were
0: living, were you living like in Delray, like Boca area or where you... I, was,
1: I was living in Oakland park. I owned a condo in Oakland oh, park. That's
0: right. So, so for people that don't know, that's well over two three, hours, th-
1: three and yeah. a half hours, three and a half hours, one way. Yeah. So um, I did like, that was the only place they had leads in Florida and I was like, I need to make money cause I'm not making money doing shit else and I need some money. So I was like, I'll do whatever it takes. And so that's what I did, man. I put 80,000 miles on my car in one year and just fucking up there running. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I made I, I made a lot of money doing it. You know, it started, it started panning out. And then, so, um, my parents and my older brother, they live in Georgetown, which is like right North of Austin, Texas, like 45 minutes North of Austin. So they're about two, I think it's like two and a half hours south of Dallas. Right. Right. So the company I was working with at the time, they had an office out here in Dallas. And uh, in insurance, we have what's called blitz weeks, right? Like where you go out of town to a different state, like somewhere you don't normally live and you buy a shit ton of leads, right? Like whatever normal amount of leads you normally work in a week, you buy double and you just you work hard all week with no distractions and make a bunch of money, right? Right. So they're like, oh, we got some leads in Dallas. So I was like, all right, I'll go to Dallas and run some leads. But I came out here, and uh, the the guy who was like, um, kind of one of my mentors at the time, he let me stay at his house with him for three weeks to run leads, and I made probably a little over twenty thousand dollars in three wow. weeks. Yeah, and I was like, Dallas, <laughs> Texas is the <laughs> shit. Like this is where we're going. This yeah, is it. I was like, this is where it's at. Like that southern hospitality you know what i mean It was just night night and day easier to sell out here compared to florida because people are just so nice you know what i mean yeah they're just just friendly people and in comparison to most people in south florida or florida in general yeah and so it was just much easier to transact business with them and so once i came back from doing a three-week bid in dallas i was like i really don't have any reason to be in florida um uh, now that i'm not fighting anymore and i was like my parents and my brother live in texas i haven't been i haven't lived in the same state as my parents in shit like a decade you yeah. know since i've been running the fight thing hard and um so it's just kind of a no-brainer it's cheaper cost of living too you know so i sold my condo in florida and and packed up drove to dallas man and uh and came out here and started going to work
0: That's cool, man. We're definitely going to get more into that. Like, because I definitely want to pick your brain and, and and, Mm -hmm. like the little bit that I've known you, like, I've seen such a huge transition just from, you know, from afar of like back from going to the gym every day and watching you grinding and then trying to make money to like what you're doing now because you're doing so good. So I definitely, there's definitely going to be some stuff that I want to pick your brain on that there. But, as far as the selling part for the life insurance of Florida, is it because the people that are living here are already close to dying? It's a little too late to sell them life insurance?
1: Oh no, it has nothing to do with it has <laughs> nothing to do with that at all. It's just uh, stuff. I said, the two biggest things are people are people are ruder, so they're yeah. harder to they're harder to deal with. But the main thing with Florida is the gated na- the the high influx of gated communities,
0: right? Right. Makes sense because you're locked out. You're yeah, yeah you're literally and, and locked a, out.
1: There's like a security guard at every one. You know what I'm saying? So like I've I would like come up with different like some of them I could sneak in, you know, I'd find ways. Sometimes I park my car. I think I jumped the fence one time and like I it I was I'm getting to the door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I paid thirty dollars for this lead. I'm getting to the door. You know what I mean?
0: So you were literally going uh, door to door.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so people fill out these leads, right. right. And um, their cards about state regulated life insurance and they fill it out. They put their name on it, their age, their address, mm-hmm. their phone number and they mail it in. So they go through a lot of effort to, to send them back. Um, I mean, I'll, we call them first, right? Like I'll call them and, and book all the appointments that I can get the low hanging fruit, but then pretty much anybody that tells, you no or doesn't answer the phone. Like I'm, I'm, I'm showing up at the house. You know what I mean? Right.
0: That makes sense. I mean, you got to follow up. Sometimes you have to do that follow up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And old people are stubborn. You know what I mean? They're like children. They're, yeah. they're, they're stubborn and cranky. And like most of the time, no, with them doesn't mean no, it's just, they just bullshit a lot, you know? And yeah. so, it's so almost it's- like they're there. They're, they're <laughs> yeah.
0: trying to, to like, irk you a little bit to like push the conversation because they want the conversation they'd like they don't want to feel like they they were just giving their 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 money away they want you to kind of like work for it
1: it's weird i uh, to this day bro i'm still and this is what, what what my mentors taught me is like you can't understand the psychology of these people like you just you'll literally go insane trying to figure out why they do what they do or why they say what they say yeah so you just can't even, you can't even, because there's no logic to it, right? Yeah. So no, I, mean, I mean, it makes sense. Just, no, it, it makes just, sense.
0: <laughs> the, like, the funny part is, like, I <laughs> just finished going through um, Chris Voss's book, uh, Don't Split the Difference, or Never Split the Difference. Have you read that?
1: I haven't, no. Dude, yeah, like,
0: you have to check it out. Like, uh, I'll send you, like, a copy of it, because it's literally, like, what we're talking about right now. It's the same thing as the psychology about it. Because he talks about how he dealt with, like, crisis like negotiations and stuff like that hostage negotiations and like compares it to like everyday life and in sales and stuff like that so i think you'll actually dig that i'll have to i'll have to get you uh the audible or something it's pretty good so let's go back because you've been at this as far as like the fight game you were at this for like a long time so a lot of guys aren't gonna know like the original Uh ultimate fighters they're not gonna know like all the crazy fights and stuff that you had or even some of the guys that you train with so i I really kind of want to go back because i feel that there's not enough information about you out there when it comes to your your mma career i think that there's like a lot that that people would really benefit from hearing so for just kind of give me the the rundown of you know your backstory how did you start (laughs) with MMA how'd you get into it to begin with
1: um so I originally got into MMA uh, I grew I was born and raised in uh southeast Virginia I grew up in in a town called Chesapeake right on the border of Virginia Beach and so a lot of guys I went to school with high school with like in, in high school I uh i i I messed messed around too much you know what i mean played too many games didn't do school partying a lot was involved with the wrong people and so shortly after i graduated high school i had a lot of friends getting in a lot of trouble going to jail uh just just not the best influences on your life you know what i mean yeah and so um you know we used to always do like backyard boxing and stuff in school like have some street fights after school so fighting was always something I wasn't foreign to. Um, and you know, it just, I had a buddy at the time who was doing like Muay Thai kickboxing and I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta do something to stay out of trouble. You know what I mean? And I like to fight, so it just made sense, you know? So I, I went to the gym where he was training at, started training and, uh, I took my first amateur fight and I fought this guy. He was like, he was like a 43 year old ex-marine and so it was actually like a wka tournament in right. richmond in richmond virginia and so there was like there was there was i was fighting a heavyweight i fought my whole amateur career at heavyweight by the way wow. a lot of people a lot of people don't know that but yeah. i had 11 amateur fights at heavyweight and then i dropped the 205 when i had my pro debut but um so I was supposed to be in the novice division, which is if you have three amateur wins or less, you're in there. And then uh, if you have more than that, you're in like the expert division, right? Well, nobody shows up for this tournament except me and another guy. And he was like nine and two. So they literally just matched us together, like for the finals.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, they just threw you right into the finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it
1: was like because like we're the only heavyweights that showed up you know a couple of guys pulled out and it's just how it ended up working out so anyway i ended up beating this guy in the finals like he like he was like five ten, like real big stocky dude but i was you know i'm long so i was just sticking and moving and he would come in i would tie clinch him and just i was just needing a hole through his ribs right, right. and then beat him up for like three rounds and then uh after that fight like we were talking and i was like dude this is my first amateur fight ever i've only been training mma for 6 months wow and he was like damn you're a fucking beast blah 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 <laughs> and like i was like all right so that's what's up so then i took another fight like 2 weeks later in uh like a local show in virginia beach like tko the dude in like 25 seconds you know and then so like at this point i didn't know shit about diet or like eating healthy like i was just a fighter i was just a young young 21 year old kid that just with a chip on his shoulder that wanted to scrap you know what right, i mean right. and part of that too is i think like you know i i, I was pissed off kind of you know what i'm saying like i was pissed off i always it was like i grew up in an area like in my part of town, it was weird. Like you'd have like a kind of a mix and in incomes from families, right? Like I knew some kids that I went to high school with that were so rich, like their parents were buying them like Mercedes and Lambos and shit when they were sixteen. But then I had other friends who were like kind of like kind of broke. You know what I mean? Like yeah. more lower. So it was like in the middle. And and my parents, they did all right, but they they could have done more. They could have done more for me than they did for sure. But um. We'll kind of talk, we'll kind of talk about that. But I'm kind of I used to be mad that they didn't, right? I used right. to be mad. And I'd be like, man, like this fucking guy, he got he got this, he got that. You know what I mean? And so I was pissed that from a young age, I was kind of pissed off that I didn't have the life that I wanted. You know what I mean? And yeah. I didn't have I didn't have what I wanted I not have the things I wanted. And but kind of when I around the time I turned 18, 19, that's kind of when I realized like nobody's going to give me shit. You know what I mean? Anything I ever want, I'm going to have to go get it. Cause I don't have any rich family. That's going to give me a, you know, half million dollar life insurance policy
0: or Yeah, whatever.
1: Nobody's going to bail me out. Right. And it's yeah. always, and I've always been, it's always been that way. And so I knew if I wanted, if I wanted an, uh, a better life than I had, I was going to have to get it for myself. Right. And I hated, I hated working for people Yeah, because every boss, right. Every boss you ever have is a dick and they act like they're better than you because they got some money or like they, it's like, they got the hand on you. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And
1: and when you're a fighter, that's hard, man. Like you can't, can't deal with that shit, especially like as I got later on in life, after I'd already been in the UFC and competed at a high level, I realized real quick that I was unemployable. I, <laughs> fighting, like, I do not I take fu- orders well. <laughs> I got fired from like four jobs, bro, in like two weeks. Like oh, within God. two, three days. Yeah, I was just yeah. getting fired. Like every job I took, I was getting fired from. And I was like, man, this shit ain't working. I just going like to find somebody, something else. Yeah, like somebody to say something. I'd like, man, fuck you. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> talking to bro like I
0: can't say a single word because I'm the exact same way I had to learn those lessons too (laughs) so wait so you you were only training six months before you had your first fight
1: six months bro and a lot of people don't realize um I wasn't really an athlete in high school either which which considering how talented I became as a fighter in a short amount of time with my background it's it's a shame that I didn't had my shit together more in high school. Cause I think I really could have been a top five or top 10 guy had I've done that and like had, had the wrestling background and went to college. Cause I, I think for yeah. sure, if I would have wrestled in high school, I would have got a scholarship or something, but it was funny because it was kind of one of those things. I was 20 years old and I remember I told everybody I was going to fight in the UFC one day. Like I just made a decision. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to fight in the UFC. And I was 20 years old. My mom thought I was crazy. All my friends thought I was crazy. They're like, dude, you smoked cigarettes for two years in high school. Like, you're not an athlete. Like, you didn't do this. You didn't have a wrestling bag. Like, everybody had all the reasons why I couldn't do what I wanted to do, right? Yeah. But I didn't listen to nobody. I was like, fuck that. I'm going to fight in the UFC watch one day, right? And eight years after I said that to everybody, I was in the finals of the toughest tournament in sports, the Ultimate Fighter so
0: and you were part of like one of the the teams or one of the best fighters like of all time i mean you were you were on team edgar yeah yeah so it's like and you're going up against like bj penn's team so it's like it's not like it was like a like scrap like just scrap people like out there like you were going up against like serious athletes right yeah i mean so let me ask you though was there a specific event. sort that happened that made you flip that switch of like, I need to cut this BS out. I need to get focused on something or get to keep me away from the streets.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it was, uh, you know, it was just a decision, man, is really all I could say. It was a mindset thing, but it was a decision. I was, I had up to that point, I had been a loser most of my life What I had considered a loser, mm and I was tired of being a fucking loser. I was like, I'm not going to be a loser anymore. I'm a fucking winner. And I'm going to be a winner. And, and I was like, I'm the fucking man. And every day I woke up, I told myself I was a man and I'm a fucking winner. And that's the mentality I've kept ever since. And I just, uh, I just, I don't, I mean, I don't know what to say other than I made a decision and I went to work. That's yeah. it. It's just, it's just a mindset thing. You know what I mean? Most people, what I've learned, I've been around elite performers and, um, you know, athletics and fighting the majority of my adult life, you know, been in a lot of different world champion teams and it's the same thing I'm learning in the business world. You know what I mean? With elite performers, it all, it all just boils down to like a mindset and a discipline, you know, but Mm. what I've learned through fighting and through entrepreneurship and business and sales is most, most people will quit too early, right? It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's fighting. It doesn't matter if it's high commission sales, especially people that go from like an employee job to try to go into high commission sales they quit too early before they get over that learning curve. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. maybe they have a couple bad weeks and then they get scared and they like, I got to get a job. Right. So they fucking throw everything away and they, then they get scared and they run back to their job. And me, I just, luckily for me, I guess I didn't really have a choice. Um, Cause I was like, I was not good at this, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like I, like I, I tell you, so this is how committed I was. Like when I, when I finally left the first company I was with, they went to a different company and the guy actually taught me how to really sell and make money. Um, like really trained me how to sell like properly, mm. which I didn't have first. I sold, I had a truck at the time and I sold it for six grand to buy leads.
2: Wow.
1: Right. And this is how quickly my life changed once I actually put the work in and figured it out and got a good mentor. So this was January, January of 2020, right? I sold my truck in like November of 2019 to buy leads, right? So I spent like six grand on leads and I was getting my head chopped off, bro. I was like, I would call him every day, like cussing, like Man, these fucking leads suck, blah, 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 blah. And like, he's like, dude, it's not the leads. It's you. And I'm like, it's not me. And he's like, dude, you're not a fighter anymore. Like these are old people. Like you can't feel <laughs> it. Like you gotta relax, you know what I mean? I was was like, "Fuck these people, man! They're bullshit." (laughs) Like I was getting pissed, you know. And uh, but I had a really good mentor, man, and he helped me a lot. And he and like me and him were kind of one the same in a lot of ways. And um, so I remember, like one, like it was January, and I like I had I had burned through like five grand worth of leads, and I wasn't making any money. And I was like, I was like, dude, I like this is it. I said, if this doesn't, if I don't make any money this week, I got to go get a job. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do because I didn't have any skills where I was going to go make any real money. You know, I could go yeah. back to teach, teaching fitness and martial arts, but you ain't making any fucking money doing that. Yeah, you're not you building know?
0: generational wealth. Yeah, and you're, doing, you're, holding you're, packs. B-
1: you're lucky. You can pay your bills working as a coach at most gyms, unless you own the gym, you know? Yeah. Um, and so all the money I had saved... i actually was going to open a gym originally Mm. when i got done fighting and but i i had burned through all that money when i was on the shelf for so long with all those surgeries just back-to-back surgery yeah and then um so in january of 2020 i had two thousand dollars in my bank and 33 grand in credit card debt Wow, and this was like this is where i was telling you i was at the point where I was like, this is it. I told him his name was Josh. I said, Josh, this is it, dude. If it doesn't work this week, I'm done. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'm going to go work security for $15 an hour and teach yeah. fitness and martial arts. But until I figured it out, but I was like, this ain't working for me. And that week I went out and made $3,000. Right.
2: Huh.
1: And then you fast forward six months. I had $35,000 in my checking account. I paid off 10 grand in debt and I had a $17,000 gold watch. I was trying to sell In six months. That's how quickly I changed my situation financially, but I fucking went to work like 70 hours, like, like, six six days a week 12 hour days just working
0: so wait so was that watch like something that you like owned just from like your your fight winnings or is it like something like you set up like oh this is what i'm going to start doing because so for those of you that uh, don't know you actually have a luxury like watch selling business also
1: yeah yeah so actually right around that time um is when i started a watch business so i met i met a guy when i lived in south florida actually who taught me the watch business, um, by buying, selling, and trading high end luxury watches? Um, at the time, I didn't, the only thing I knew about watches were they were expensive and I couldn't afford them. Right. Yeah. But like he started teaching me, and I was like, even if I could afford them, I wouldn't buy them. It's fucking dumb. Who's going to spend 15, 20 grand on a watch? Right. Yeah. But then he taught me about how you could buy the watch and use the watch as a networking tool to get in front of more high net worth people, mm. right? Because when you walk into a nice restaurant with a $20,000 Rolex on, oh, they people, people that have money know what that is, right? Yeah. And, and they want to talk to you and they will talk to you. And so that'll stru- strike up a conversation for me to pitch them on selling them a watch, sell them insurance, whatever, mm. or, or, you know what I mean? Make a connection. Maybe this guy owns a car business now, Cause we connected on watch. So you give me a discount. Like watches has changed my, my network so much. Um, yeah. and yeah. And so I had actually bought that watch was a, a watch that I had bought with the intention of reselling for a profit. So that was like one of the first watches I bought that I tried to flip and make money. And then, um, yeah, you know, I just started putting all the capital that I was making from my insurance business into luxury watches and then I started buying, selling, and trading the luxury watches to make more money on the side. Yeah, And it, and it started as like a little side hustle, and now it's actually growing into a decent little business, so now I'm just fucking <laughs> 10 oh, dude, times dude. busier than I was. I love you know it. I,
0: mean? I, I sit there and like follow it all the time because I love watches. I've always wanted to collect watches, but obviously I don't have the capital for like this. This is like the most expensive watch that I have, and it's the Seiko. And I got it because it just looks like yeah. the Rolex Pepsi watch. I'm like, yeah. But I love it, you know what I mean. But like that's yeah. the thing, like people don't realize just how crazy like the watch game like really is, like the it's kind of crazy. watches that are out there. But it's funny because I love it. Like when I when I follow like your Instagram on it, and I see you post, I was like, damn, that's like my favorite watch. That's like my go watch, <laughs> like that Submariner, the blue Submariner with the gold. Oh man, I'm like,
1: One oh yeah, day. The, the stain the stainless with the gold, the two yeah. tone. Yeah, yeah, dude.
0: Like that's like I'm. I remember, just this was like eight, going to New York going down to Chinatown just so I could get the bootleg Rolex just <laughs> so I could be like I got a Rolex and then just walking down the street on Las Solas in Fort Lauderdale and just literally having it fall apart on my wrist like no <laughs> it's like this was 20 bucks man I want that watch uh, I don't care how fake it is so funny. it's funny dude but like it's so awesome that you I mean for all intents and purposes, you willed your way through everything. Cause you, you were on the, on the verge of quitting. You were on the verge of quitting saying like, screw this. I have to go back to work for somebody else.
1: Yeah, I was. And, and I thank I, I, I thank Josh for that because if it wasn't for him, I probably would have quit the insurance business. And, uh, I don't know what I would have done. I, I knew I would probably would have found some other sales job. Cause I had, towards the end of fighting i started listening to grant cardone a lot you know grant Mm -hmm. cardone and i was like i like this guy man and he was like you don't need a he's like you don't need a job that you love he's like you need a job that's gonna pay you some damn money yeah yeah he's like everybody wants to oh do your dream job work your dream job he's like no you need to make some damn money and that's where i was at i was like dude i've been living my dream my whole life and i'm fucking 32 years old and i'm broke i don't have a pot to piss in you know and I was like, I'm just tired of this shit, you know, and as much as I love fighting, I, I mean, I literally rode the fight train until I had to jump off. Like there was yeah. like, I was literally so broke there. I couldn't have, I couldn't have trained for a fight if I wanted to, because I couldn't have paid my bills. And then like, after, after I lost uh, that last fight in Canada, I was looking for other fight opportunities Dude, they were trying to pay me like the same money that I had made like 7 years ago to beat up like debut guys but they want me to fight like Bellator veterans with 18 yeah. pro fights for like 3000 so, to show and 3000 to win i'm like so i'm going to train 12 weeks and fight this guy and then after i pay my taxes coach and my manager and if I don't have any injuries, I'll have fucking like two grand in my pocket for three maybe. months worth of work. I'm like, maybe
0: I'm like, no, yeah.
1: like, so it was at that point, man, where I, I had to turn the page, uh, and I didn't want to, because I still think the best was yet to come with my athletic career, but this is, a, and and this is an important message for, I think a lot of young fighters to realize, man, um, because so many guys in the fight game are one injury away from just being done. You know what I mean? And you kind of have to have that, that blind faith and just ride it. But if I could do anything different, what I would tell people is because I wasted so many years. And what I mean by that is I, I had so much free time to learn valuable skills, to make money when I was fighting, but I never took advantage of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because we we train in the morning and then you pretty much have the whole day off and then you train again at night. So during the day, you need to learn some type of skill, whether it's social media marketing, you want to learn to sell watches, learn to sell watches, learn real estate, learn YouTube, learn affiliate marketing. There's so many ways to make money, but just learn some just start some type of side skill, side Uh hustle to where you can start generating yourself money because like every you know a lot of guys had other things going on but unfortunately i i didn't have anything else really going on outside of fighting to make me money and that's what shortened my career yeah you know it's funny when that wasn't working it it was there was nothing left for me to do you know like like jason jackson for example he had a tree business with his brother smart you know what i mean so like he could go make money like like and survive and make good money right but me i'm just like doing privates or teaching security for you know doing security 15 bucks an hour like yeah i'm keeping my head above water you know what i'm saying
0: well it's funny because like i mean it may sound weird to you but like one of the conversations that we had years ago and it was probably like one of the last times that i saw you training uh with everybody down here was actually probably one of the most influential conversations that i had in how i do my business because When I started my company, it was strictly focused on music because I worked in the music industry my whole life. I worked with bands. I worked with some of the biggest bands. I did everything and I got tired of working for these old like managers that just don't understand the way that things are moving. So then they're all dicks like we were talking about. So you were training and I was walking around taking photos and stuff and I remember and I If I throw too much out there, like, just let me know. But, like, I remember we were having the conversation where you were saying just that. It's like, dude, I'm trying. Like, I kept asking you, like, when's the next fight? I'm trying to do this. I can't get money. It's like, I'm this close. And, like, I remember you telling me I'm this close to go and just start driving Uber. And I'm like, man, like, that's bad. Like, this is the guy that I watched on TV fighting in the UFC. He was a name that everybody knew. And then now he's the one that's like struggling. And that's kind of put two and two together why I wanted to start working more with fighters with the exact same mindset of, the way that I always tell like fighters is like, I'm not gonna sit there and just manage your social media. I'm not gonna just manage your marketing. I'm gonna teach you how to manage your own stuff because you need to learn that. And at the end of the day, and I tell this to, To music artists I tell that to athletes any athlete out there is that you are no different than a piece of produce on the shelf you're only so good to somebody for that limited amount of time and when you hit that expiration date you're off the shelf no one's gonna buy anymore now you got to figure out something else to do so like seeing how you, how much you've grown like professionally now and then the way that like the struggles that you were having before like sleeping like on like a single bed like all the other stuff like a bunch of fighters sharing apartments and stuff like that is inspirational but it's also like from from someone that was a fan of your fighting it's like man that makes me happy because it's like you didn't give up on yourself like, forget all the fighting stuff, like, because you busted mm-hmm. your ass training, but you didn't give up on yourself and all the challenges that pretty much anybody else is going to go through. They might not be trying to be a, like a world-class fighter, like fighting on like the biggest, like, you know, cage out in the world. Like, you're still going to be fighting for your family, fighting for yourself to get a job, to get paid, to get where you're at. So, like, to see where you're at is, is so awesome, dude. Like, I'm so happy for you but now even hearing like everything that you were going through mentally, like that's even crazier to, to see or hear.
1: Yeah, it, it was tough, man. Like I, I hit, I hit rock bottom there for a while, man. And uh, I was just real depressed, just struggling and just, just trying to figure it out, man. I've never, I was never been so broken, scared of my life. Mm. You know what I mean? And like, I even asked my parents for money, which I, I you know, I got a, I can have a big ego. Right. So it's hard for me to ask people for money. And like, I even asked my parents for money and I knew they weren't going to give it to me, but I didn't have a choice, but to ask, even though I didn't want to ask. And I asked, and of course they didn't give it to me, but (laughs) yeah. So, uh, it was tough, man, but it, it just, it's just, yeah. I mean, we're all fighters in one way or another. Right. And it just, it just boils down to the only reason that I got where I got is just because I didn't quit. You know what I mean? And like I said, what I've seen is most people, they just quit too early with, with anything, whether it's, you know, fighting uh, opportunity, any, anything, it's just people, <clears throat> they want overnight success, right? We, it, uh, I had a mentor, he calls it the microwave generation, right? He calls us the microwave generation. He's like, yeah. y'all want it. Y'all want everything to happen right now. You want You want to put a frozen meal in and be done in two minutes. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't work like that. It's going to take a couple hours, you know?
0: So you went from 2K in debt, or I'm sorry, 2K in your bank, 33 in debt. And it was that one sale that kind of just flipped it for you. Like, oh, wait, it does work. Like, I can do this.
1: Well, I just, it was like the last week, you know, and you call it the God, call it God, the universe, whatever, man, I was just praying. I was like, dude, just help me. Like I'm struggling. And I went out that week and I made three grand in my pocket. Never made that much money in a week in my life, aside from a couple of big fight paydays, but never from a job, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I, it just, I don't know if something just clicked or like, I finally got the learning curve down. I finally got my words right saying what i needed to say overcoming objections and Mm. and i just i just started running from there man and i made over 100 grand that year uh and the next the next year i made quite a bit more than 100 grand and uh yeah and then now so now i actually have a what's really cool how this is like like a like an awesome moment for me where i'm like man this is awesome so I, I started recruiting and mentoring and training some agents too, right? So I had this guy um, that fought on the last fight that I had up in Canada. I actually had this young, young fighter who met me up there. You know, mm-hmm. we hung out and stuff, and we always stayed in touch. And so he's, he lives in Kentucky, and he works at a Ford plant. He worked at a Ford plant, right? He made like $26 an hour. And they worked this kid like a fucking slave, man. He worked six, six, seven days a week, bro, like 70, 80 hours a week. So he was working six, seven days a week, every week, 80 hours a week. And he was only taking home like $3,200 a month. And I'm like, damn, dude, you know? And so he started reaching out to me about the insurance business. And I was like, dude, if you do exactly what I tell you to do and you put the work in, I was like a hundred like there's no way you can't make more money than your job i was like the commissions are just too high i was like there's no way you can't if you put the same work ethic into your job that you do this the same amount of time every week until you get going i was like you will win and he did exactly what i told him and i had that guy it took him a couple months he almost quit too he was about to jump off the ledge but he's a stubborn fighter and he was just tired of being broke and he was tired of working for the man He was tired of not writing his own checks, writing his own schedule. And he's just, he just refused to quit. And he got his ass kicked for, for months, but he kept at it, man. And he kept going and he kept going. And now I've, I've got that kid to the point where he's made his best week. So far, he made three and a half thousand dollars in his pocket in one week. And that's more than he used to make in In a a month. month working 80 hours. Yeah, and and he made three and a half grand in one week working about 35 hours that week
2: wow Good
1: yeah for him man. and so so that's awesome for me to now like for it to come full, full circle kind of like the martial arts like from a coaching side right like I can help change this guy's life now you know what I'm saying yeah so I changed this guy's life I took him from a blue collar work environment he just Got tired of working for the man, tired of not calling. His, tired of not making any real money. He wanted more out of life. And I showed him how he can make more money. And, and he took it and he ran with it, man. And he changed his life. And Gee, uh, awesome, yeah, and so it, it that was like, that was like the first guy that I trained to make money. And it was just awesome for me to, I was probably happier for him than he was for himself. Yeah. I was just like, dude, you did it, bro. Like I was just so pumped for him,
0: you know? But I mean, that's that's so awesome too. hearing that, like in such a short amount of time, it was like four, four years total that you went from you were struggling so much to the point where now you helped somebody else. You took the knowledge that you made and now you help somebody else gain that freedom and like and really kind of get their life back, like not just financially, but like, man, like you're not working for somebody else. You're not literally giving your life away for somebody else to make money.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and like I said, this kid was working six, seven days a week, 10, 12-hour days. So, like, he's literally giving his whole life to this company for $850 a week or 800 bucks a week, you know? It's like, fuck yeah. that. <laughs> fuck so, that.
0: <laughs> so, when you were, like, I guess, looking back now and then looking at how you were experiencing everything from like your fighting going Bellator and then like UFC, like what kind of things do you really look back at and you wish that other fighters knew before they made that, that decision? Like, Oh, I want to be a professional fighter. Like what things like really kind of stick out to you?
1: Um, I'm so So what do you, what do you mean exactly? Like, I that? mean, I'm, you know,
0: there's like even the other day, I got a phone call from somebody, which, mind you, I'm not a professional fighter. Like, I barely make it to jujitsu class every week now. Like, <laughs> and they, the kid calls me up, and he's someone who's like early 20s, doesn't really have like a career path. And he's like, I kind of pissed me off with the question that he asked me is like, what is the feasibility of getting into the UFC to become a professional fighter? I'm like, dude. You're you're not gonna do that. If you have to ask that, I yeah. automatically it's not gonna happen. Like you right. don't want to fight. You are seeing the limelight. You're looking yeah. at Conor McGregor and shit like that and thinking, oh, I'm gonna be a big fighter, make a million dollars. Like there's years of getting punched and kicked in the face for you to even remotely come close to having that chance. And <clears throat> even then it's not gonna yeah. like happen.
1: And see, and here's the thing about the fight game, and see you you probably haven't thought about it this way but once I say it you'll be like yeah that's true because you've been around it long enough that you know now is for any young fighter out there um, I can tell you it's to make it in fighting it's a combination of three things right it's a combination of luck it's a combination of timing and it's a combination of skill right Because think of it like this, like, here's a scenario. Like, let's say this, it doesn't like, you know, whatever this guy's name is, he's a badass, right? He's up and coming. He gets to the UFC, right? He wins his first fight, right? Beats the dude's ass bad, knocks him out, wins the second fight, right? He's still on what, like a 10 and 10 contract. So he's really not making jack shit after his injuries and coaches and managers and taxes like he ain't making any money he's still barely he's barely surviving financially if that's the only income he's got so let's say a guy wins two fights dominantly in the ufc right then he blows his knee out in the gym right now he's on the shelf for a year so now you're talking a year and a half before he gets back to the to the fight game right maybe he loses his next fight right Mm -hmm. and maybe the ufc decides they want to cut him now this guy's career could be over now, even though he's fucking good. You know what I mean? He just had yeah. some bad, some bad luck, some bad timing, right? Because yeah. you gotta you gotta be good enough to get there. You gotta get the opportunity, right? And then once you're there, you gotta you gotta be lucky enough to not get hurt. I mean, because like all these guys, I'm telling you, I mean, you know, all these guys are one major in- a lot of these up-and-coming guys that are broke, they're one major injury away from having to go get a fucking full-time job.
0: And it, and it only takes one
1: one injury that's yeah. it one, it only you know, takes one, one ACL. douchebag
0: training partner who decides to like go for like a, a low cut and like tear your knee out like it takes like one person to be like sloppy when like you're on sparring day where these two guys are scrambling and then one rolls over your knee that's like, it yeah and we've seen it. I mean, we know guys from like the from the gym that like that's happened too. Where it's like up and coming, they were going to be in the UFC one injury, and then like nope, nothing. Like now you like bump back down. And then and
1: aside from the injuries, right? Like how many guys I can tell you that I know and that you know too that are good, right? Guys that like should have been in the UFC and with me, should have been in Bellator with me, and maybe they didn't get hurt, but for whatever reason, they just never got that shot. Mm. And then when they did go to, or when they were close to getting that shot, maybe they got hurt and had a surgery or whatever, you know. So yeah, it's like all the stars have to align perfectly for you to get in the big show and make money. It's more than just you being that good, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's that's just one part of the puzzle. There's many pieces to it, you know.
0: Well, that's the funny part because I always tell guys like now it's like, man, you could be great, you could be five zero ten and zero, but if you don't have the the business mentality of it. What are you gonna do after? What's gonna happen? It, same guys all think the exact same thing. I'm gonna go fight, whether they win the championship or not. Like we go open up a gym, and then I'm gonna live the rest of my life doing like seminars and like living off the gyms. Like, yeah. no, it's not guaranteed that your gym's gonna like kill it. You're not gonna have a franchise.
1: Very, right? very few people make a good living teaching martial arts. You know, yeah. I can. I mean, you know that. But yeah. yeah. Everybody, it's the thing is, man, it's, I think, too, with a a lot of fighters, like, everybody loves, everybody loves fighting, right, everybody wanted to stay in the gym all the time, like, it's fun, right, but it comes a point, too, like, and and this won't happen for everybody, like, a lot of people aren't money motivated the way I was, a lot of, I mean, a lot of people don't care, they don't want to make a lot of money, they don't want to, they don't have goals and aspirations to make 300 or 500,000 a year like I do, right? Like you have people that are just happy that would be happy teaching fitness and martial arts making 40-50 grand a year, right? That's not me. I like I don't want to barely get by even if it's doing something I love, mm. Because there's so much more to life that you can experience that you need money to do, you know? And so I just felt like I was ready to move on from that, but I think too with a lot of fighters they it's not that they just love it so much they can't ever leave the gym life I think it's an ego thing too for a lot of fighters like they have this ego right and that was is a hard transition that we talked about and what takes a truly successful person a characteristic of truly successful people is they can they can lower their ego enough to something like I did, right? Like I like I had a Wikipedia page. At one point, I walked into Mandalay Bay and fucking 30 people would be in there asking for an autograph and, hey, sign this picture of me that they printed out, right? Yeah. To being the man, right? So I go from being the man and, and making $100,000 in six months in the UFC and everybody knows who I am to pretty much like starting from nothing like starting from from scratch in a business that I knew nothing about where I wasn't good I wasn't the best you know what I mean like anything I had done before didn't matter because I was starting from the bottom with the lowest skill set yeah. of anybody in the company you know and so a lot of people I don't think can do that uh, a lot of people can't humble themselves enough to they can't put they can't put their ego aside to be like oh I was a fucking man I fought in the UFC now I got to come over here and start from day one from scratch like I'm yeah. I'm a white I'm a white belt who's never took a jiu jitsu class in his life and I'm showing up to jiu jitsu class with all these black belts
0: yeah I mean it, it, it's funny because I, I always use that kind of, like that kind of analogy where it's like there's guys that are world class athletes like world class strikers. But the second that they they come to, like, a jujitsu class, they're getting, like, the 16-year-old kicking the shit out of them. So, like, you end up having a fighter's like, I'm not going back to that jiu class. Like, right. it's like, well, don't get mad then in the fight. Like, when it's, like, your turn to, like, do some grappling, like, you're nowhere because you weren't willing to take that ego hit for another six months, eight months, a year, whatever, to at least get some grappling in. So it makes sense. But do you really think that, like, that's... The mentality of why these guys aren't doing that extra work during the middle of their career to have that backup, because I feel like there's so many guys that it's like you said, to go train in the morning, fuck off during the day, go train at night. And that's it. Like when you that's have a good did. eight hours, <laughs> I mean, you have eight hours yeah. to build a skill every day but it seems like they never realize it until they know they like, they got maybe two, three fights left and then they're done. And then right. they're scrambling to figure out and then making all sorts of bad business decisions.
1: Right. You know, I don't know if that's because they're just so convicted, you know, because as a fighter, right. You, you, you're selling yourself every day that you're the best and you, you have blinders on, you know, there's no other option. And so I think that maybe some of these guys are just so convinced you know, and this is another thing too. Is like, like you'll have a, like we use Mike Chandler, right? Everybody knows Mike Chandler. You have all these guys that come in and they'll spar with Mike Chandler, right? And mm-hmm. like, a, or or a rumble or somebody of that caliber, and they'll have a couple good sparring rounds, or they'll even win a couple sparring rounds. Yeah. And now they're like not saying that this is wrong because I mean that's just a fighter mentality, but they're so convinced now because they won one sparring round against Mike Chandler that they're going to be the next yeah seven figure earner and that's not that's not the reality you know what i mean like most yeah. people most people are never going to make any real money you know and and so i don't know if these guys don't learn other skills because they're just so con- convinced that martial arts is going to be the end all be all and maybe like i said maybe that's all they want and some people are some people don't put uh profits over passion you know and i put passion over profits for a long time uh most of my life but then there there became a point to where i had to put profits over passion yeah and now that i've seen the gains of those profits honestly bro like i could and i miss training i love training and I I want to go back to do jujitsu and start working on my black belt, you know, but then like when I think about signing up for a gym and taking jujitsu at night, I'm like, man, I can't, Like I I could be making money right now. Like I could be making a couple more phone calls. I could be online looking for another watch. I could be trying to sell this watch. I got, I could be booking appointments for tomorrow to run insurance, you know? Yeah. So now I'm just like, I just, I don't know. It's just, I kind of flipped the switch the other way. I'm like a workaholic now. I'm just, adi- I'm, di- I'm addicted to the grind and, right, and chasing money, I guess.
0: So, wait. So, what jujitsu belt are you now?
1: I've, well, I've been a two stripe blue belt since 2009.
0: A fucking sandbagger. You <laughs> <He's> sandbagging <laughs> yeah, yeah. like bullshit. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: I, I got, uh, well, I stopped training in the gi like, like shortly after that because, uh, you know, we didn't, it's not really feasible for MMA, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I stopped training in the Gi back in like 2009, right after I got my blue belt and just all I did was no Gi. But um, I did get a silver medal at Naga in uh, 2015 for no Gi expert division, if that makes you feel better. Yeah. I mean, do you, no, so- I didn't send back. I entered the expert, <laughs> I entered the expert division and no Gi and I got second. And the only reason that I got second, I think I could have beat the guy, but, He fucking, he tried to choke me, couldn't choke me, tried to armbar me, couldn't armbar me, and then he fucking heel hooked me. Uh, I thought it was kind of, I thought it was a bitch move for a tournament. I'm like, come on, dude. Like, do you think I'm really going to fight you for a heel hook like in a damn grappling tournament? So, yeah. like as soon as he grabbed cuz I was still fighting, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, season, no, yeah. you know. Yeah, you're still as so, soon as he as soon as he grabbed my ankle, I just tapped. I was like, you can have it, bro. Like, fuck it. Yeah.
0: So, you can you can keep the Naga sword. I'm good.
1: Like, yeah, you just trying to fuck like you got to win by heel hook. That's kind of a bitch move, but
0: So, so would you not do like any grappling tournaments at least?
1: Well, here's the thing, man, is like And like i'm a winner right i want to win and so if i go to do a grappling tournament i'm gonna have to put in a lot of work to get prepared for that yeah and that takes time off making money
0: yeah i hear
1: you i'm trying to go forward Uh, i'm trying to to get a lambo in two years bro i got a two-year goal to get a lambo
0: yeah which one are you looking at uh, to get
1: uh, whichever one I can get the best deal on that, that makes sense financially. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it's a, it's a short-term play, but, uh, it's like my mentor that taught me watches. He also teaches you how to do the same thing with cars. Like yeah. you get into exotic cars, you drive them for six months and then you sell them and break even. Yeah. Right. But, but what's the exotic car going to allow me to do? The exotic car is going to allow me to get in the car clubs mm-hmm. and tap into all these other high net worth people with Lambos. And then I become the watch guy for everybody in the car groups.
0: Yeah. And don't throw out all your secrets, bro. Don't yeah, throw out yeah. don't throw out hey. the game plan, bro.
2: Hey,
1: hey. I
0: mean, I need to I need to get a Lambo too. I mean, I'm more of a Ferrari guy, but you know, whatever.
1: Hey. Yeah. You
0: know, it's I, funny. I, I actually, don't
1: know if I can fit in a Lambo. I'm hoping I can, but you'd
0: have to you'd have to get the Shaq one.
1: You might have like, to settle for a rolls, you know. Yeah,
0: like people our <laughs> size, we gotta we gotta go for the the Shaq forever convertible ones.
1: Well, actually it's funny you said Ferrari because I talked to a guy in the exotic car group I'm in and he's six foot six. Yeah. And he has a Lambo and he said like he doesn't feel comfortable driving it fast because he's just too big for it. Yeah. yeah. But he said he had a Ferrari and he said there's like Ferraris are much better suited for people over six three. Yeah. So
0: yeah, they gave us a little bit extra leg room might, than the we Lambo. To,
1: we might have to settle for a Ferrari instead. It's a
0: tough life. It's a tough life for living hey. out. I'm going to have to settle for the Ferrari. I don't remember yeah, that.
1: Too big for, too tall for a Lambo. Damn. Like
0: I, I guess you're you're over the the selling of your truck.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh man. Dude, that's so freaking awesome, man. I'm so stoked to hear. And like that's the funny part is like when I started seeing you doing the watching am like, "Man, like those are every single like watches that like, I always love like you even get like the uh, the Omega like Speedmaster and stuff like that like I love all those things.
1: Yeah, I'm actually so, wearing a, a Planet uh, Ocean right now, a little humble flex watch. This is the che- cheapest watch I've had on in a long time.
2: Yeah,
1: humble flex three three. Not not too many uh, too often nowadays. I have watches for sale that are three thousand dollars. Yeah, I got a I got a white gold Daytona. I'm trying to sell for sixty five grand.
0: Oh, you get the the new Daytona. That's the new Daytona, not the, the original.
1: Oh yeah, it's brand new. It's a yeah. twenty twenty two.
0: Man, you know what's funny? It's like, do you do you get into like the history of the watches and stuff too? Like when you're going for like picking them up and stuff, like the like the original ones when they came out.
1: Yeah, I try to you know I try to learn about watches like more about them you know and because it's search them and stuff.
0: Well, it's funny because that Daytona, like if I'm if I'm remembering it correctly, like everybody hated it when it first came out. Like the original Daytona, everybody hated it. And then, like yeah. little by little, it became like kind of like a cult following to it. And then it's like now, if you try to buy an original Daytona, like good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Have, I hope you got that money.
1: It's weird, man. Yeah. Some, you know, it's whether it's one celebrity or whatever, it's like Rolex isn't po- a certain Rolex isn't popular. And then somebody wears it on TV and now everybody wants it, you know?
0: Yeah. So, what's the the most expensive watch that you've had? That like you flipped after you don't have to give me the price, but I'm saying like what's the most like expensive watch where like you picked it up and you're like, holy shit I'm holding this like three hundred thousand dollar watch.
1: Um, my buddy had a paddock, a Patek, uh, a Patek Philippe that was worth probably one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Wow. And I was just like, yeah, this is just dumb. (laughs) It's like crazy money. Yeah, I had two watches. I had an AP and a Rolex that together, they were total probably like $105,000. Wow. And I remember holding them both in my hand. I was like, this is just so fucking dumb. I was like, I can't believe people spend this much money on watches.
0: But hey. And that's when you get into like the crazy like complications and stuff when they have like so much going on and yeah.
1: It's cool though, man. It's it's been fun and just really just expand the network, you know. And getting around, you know, people that buy twenty, thirty thousand dollar watches, those are guys you want to be friends with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's funny because I I don't want I don't want broke ass friends.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I guess guess we're not friends anymore. Sorry,
1: man. You can't have as much fun with broke friends. You know what I'm saying? You want to you want to be friends with guys with thirty thousand dollar watches. They got big ass boats and shit. <laughs> so if they, invite, if they invite you to their birthday party, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. So,
0: so uh, is there a, a boat plan for you too? then?
1: I don't know, man. We'll see. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, uh, right now I have a, my goal is to get 800 Medicare apps. Um, uh-huh. That's my focus. Cause uh, I'm in business with some guys and you know, Once, once I get 800 Medicare apps on the books, which Mm -hmm. will take, take me probably another year and a half, I'll be able to sell that whole book of business for over a million and a half dollars. Wow.
0: Dude, that's so awesome. So
1: I'm, I'm literally working six days a week, just putting my head down with, with, that's my only goal and focus right now is getting my 800. Mm -hmm. Once I get my 800 and cash out, then I'm going to sit back and figure out what I want to do
0: that's good i think it, once you hit that you kind of buy yourself a couple of weeks vacation
1: yeah because like, yeah, you've been
0: grinding pretty hard like nonstop, the last couple of years
1: yeah i mean literally from the time i wake up oh so we didn't i don't know if you know about i also breed french bulldogs too oh so, no i didn't know that yeah so i got like three like really badass french bulldogs. i got probably forty thousand dollars worth of french bulldogs wow. my house. yeah i got like some really expensive dogs and uh so yeah, I'm busy, man. From the time I wake up in the morning to the time I go to bed, like I'm, doing so- I'm doing something, whether it's working or studying or trying to learn something new or cleaning out dog shit. <laughs> Take care of my so dog. So do you
0: do you do any uh, any work and stuff uh, like uh, Rumble? Because I know Rumble had like his kennel thing going on. He was, uh, I think, was it bulldogs? Or yeah, bulls? he was.
1: Yeah, he was breeding Frenchies and I think like uh, exotic bullies.
0: Yeah, so like, yeah. yeah. Did you ever like reach out to him, like, be like, hey, like, what do you do with like this situation or something like that? Let's just no, I, I
1: haven't, no, I haven't, I haven't hit him up yet on the dogs, but probably should. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in a while.
0: I know, like, he I, he, I guess he's
1: super famous though. He might not respond to my Instagram DMs. No, dude, for he, sure, he, it's he, you. He 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 probably gets like a thousand DMs a day. Who knows? Dude,
0: yeah. He still managed to like have time to kick my ass and break my rib last year so i think he's he's got time for you yeah. he's got time to kick my ass he's got time for you for sure yeah man do you get do you get um uh, any of the guys that like you train with like hitting you up like now that they like see how well you're doing and kind of like try to ask you for more advice or like to kind of get no, them a lead
1: no not really because like i said from what my experience with most fighters it's um they're they're gonna ride the they're gonna they're gonna ride that ship until it sinks. You know what right. I'm saying? Like yeah, they yeah, yeah. like the like the Titanic is sinking and you know it's going down and they're fucking they they got a deadbolt, they're chained to the fucking rail and they're ready to sink with that motherfucker, you know? Yeah. And I was the same way, but uh you know, they're they're riding a sinking ship until it sinks, and then I think they're gonna look for something else.
0: So if like the UFC hits you up, say, Hey, we wanna do some like some nostalgia like f- Exhibition fight You wouldn't do it?
1: They'd have to pay me enough money For it to be worth it
0: Like how much would be enough money To be like Let's bring back Back Matt Van Buren For one fight
1: At least a hundred grand That's it? Man At least Like minimum I'm saying minimum Like win win, Like win Lose or draw I need six figures In my hand Yeah Because If not It's not I mean even then that's still i mean not yeah. really a lot of money all considered because then what if if i get that payday and then i get hurt or whatever and then i'm on the shelf for a year and then i got to pay for medical bills and rehab and all this yeah. shit you still you know? have to
0: go pay back all the same old bills yeah manager like, coach
1: yeah, yeah anybody else
0: like, that came out to fly out with you for the fight yeah it's kind of yeah, crazy it is
1: man do you still follow like the all the fights and everything Do you still watch I don't watch every fight, but I do, like, you know, some of the bigger ones and the fights that interest me, I still watch them. But I, I don't have time to watch fights every single weekend, though. I mean, I was more of a, I was always a fan of the sport, but I was also more of a fighter than a fan, you know? So no. I like watching fights, but like I said, uh, like, I'm not going to sit and just watch fights for four hours on a Saturday. I'm like
0: – You get antsy.
1: I could be working on my businesses. You know what I mean? I hear Uncle G talking in the background.
0: So, so <laughs> in a in a business mindset, because um, you know I definitely feel that there's a lot of people, whether it's in MMA or even in Jiu-Jitsu, especially Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu hurts a lot. People really kind of screw themselves over business-wise like in Jiu-Jitsu, and they wonder why like, Jiu-Jitsu people don't make any money. What... Do you recommend for people to really kind of be the steps like you said you have a mentor and I've heard it like a long time and like you one of the best keys to success is get a mentor. Like You have to, yeah. And Like how do you approach someone though? Like how do you sit there and say like I wouldn't come up and just be like blatantly to you like hey Matt, would you become like my mentor and teach me like everything that you've learned like the the last few years and the last 10 years of like your whole career? Like how does someone approach someone else to be that mentor?
1: Well, in the insurance business, uh, they're incentivized monetarily, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's the insurance business works like a pyramid scheme, right? So you're up, you have you have uplines above you, right? And their commission level is higher than yours. So, like let's say you're at 110% commission. Well, the guy above you may be at 120 or 130. So everything you sell, he's gonna make 10 or 20% off, right? Mm-hmm. So it's in his best interest to mentor you and coach you to make you better so you make more sales because you're going to make more money. You're going to make him more money. So that that sense of it's kind of easy. But like from the watch, from the watch, uh, like the watch business, like this guy that I learned from actually has a course on it. You know, he, yeah. he, he, like so he he's selling the education, right? And over the last three years, I probably spent $12,000 on programs and coaching to learn how to buy, sell, and trade luxury watches. And I can tell you it was worth every penny. Yeah. It was probably worth more than that.
0: Like what's the biggest flip you've ever made on the watches?
1: Profit wise? Yeah. uh, I bought a watch for like 19,600 and I sold it three weeks later for 26,400 or something. I made like, it was like a $6,600 profit. That's a good flip, yeah. Yeah, it's not that's bad, a really right? Flip. Yeah, and that's not and bad. I had, but... And then my best week, right? Like, I was sitting at home, like, I was actually, like, kind of being lazy that week. like I, I was, was going to be lazy. Home, like, I was sitting at home in my boxers, right? Just bullshitting, like, watching TV. And fucking sending text messages and I sold three watches in two days sitting at home, my fucking underwear texting. And I made like seven and a half thousand dollars.
0: Dude, that's so nuts. That's awesome. And
1: I'm like, yo my like, I gotta figure this shit out. I'm like, if I could I'll be brought I sit in my ass and boxers selling watches all day. So I was like, if I could figure this out like once a like to make seventy five hundred a month consistently, let alone a week, you mm. know what I mean? But um Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's the watch thing is a very slow game as far as like building the business, but it's a very powerful and and lucrative skill. And it's one of the fastest and easiest ways to make money I've ever seen Um, because of the liquidity factor too. Like you got to think like cars and real estate, right? Like it's not that easy to just transact because there's paperwork involved you know, title companies, registration, all this bullshit that goes involved with you transacting the item, right? Yeah. Well, I could buy a $200,000 Richard Mill, turn around and sell it to you for $240,000, and you just send me a wire and I send you the watch and boom. Like I just made forty dollars off that watch. You know what I mean, but if it was a car or a house, like it's more—it's more more of a process to get to the sale. You know what I mean? It
0: may—it makes sense. It's a high-value item that doesn't have the the governmental like oversight to it.
1: Right? Yeah, and that's why watches are one of the most powerful assets out there. Yeah, and that's why you've never met a broke jeweler.
0: Yeah, that's true. I I never thought about it that way. That's true. No, dude, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's like it's funny because like I think one of those like clips that's like viral is the the guy that took uh, the rolex that he had from like uh from i guess like vietnam or something like that have you ever seen it where the dude takes it to uh to that um the hell's it called the antique road show The dude takes Uh, it to that antique road show, and he's like, he has like the whole spread. He has the receipt from he purchased, the original box, everything, and he's like thinking, like, oh, I paid two thousand dollars out of like the the military commissary, and it's like, I was like, no, this watch is like a million dollars. Like, oh shit! Like,
1: (laughs) it was faded.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So like, it's it's funny. Like, I mean, I I love it for for the 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 artwork of it, but. Looking at it like business wise, that's just absolutely crazy. Especially you start getting into like the Richard Mills and all that stuff. Oh
1: yeah, like dude, I had a buddy. He bought a Richard Mill for one hundred eighty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and he's and he sold it a year later for three hundred sixty thousand oh, yeah. dollars when the yeah. market moved up. I mean, it's crazy. Like,
0: well, uh, was it? Um, I want to say like a month ago, Charles Leclerc. I want to say it was Charles Leclerc, a Formula One driver, had his Richard Mill stolen
1: oh
0: shit! didn't even bat an eye because they give it to them that's the part so if you look wow. up so like because formula one is sponsored by richard mill at the beginning of the season everybody got this like million dollar watch i
1: didn't know that yeah, wow. yeah.
0: his gets stolen and then it's like oh whatever he's like i'll get another one I'm like damn all right we just yeah. have it like that dude yeah it's like i think personally i don't think that watch is that that good looking but it's I don't just either. funny. yeah but whatever man somebody just came off with that watch uh, I, they walk he, like he did not care. So then you got your goal. You got, a, you got a house now too. You went from, from struggling. Now you got a, like a house built and everything.
1: Like yeah, you, I, had, I had a, I had a 500 credit score and a lot of debt. And then, uh, about two years later, I bought a brand new house, got my credit score up over 700 now debt free aside from my house. And uh, yeah, just moving to a brand new house, man. So,
0: dude, man, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, be like any happier. Cheers to you, bud.
1: Cheers, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was, it was a long road to get here. Then, uh, just it's just work, man. But Same you thing. say like it's a long road. I mean, granted,
0: like outside of the 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 struggling of getting the fights, and then like you made decisions. Like, what point did you hit where you're like? I mean, you talked about it, where like you made the money and everything, but like when that hits you, where you're like, "Man, I think I'm done fighting." Like, how was that for you mentally?
1: It was hard, bro. It was hard.
0: Like, what were like, what was going through your mind?
1: (laughs) I mean, it was just like, "What am I gonna do?" I don't know, because this is like, it's all, it's all I've known, and I loved it so much, man. You know what I mean? And it was just hard to accept the fact that the ride was over. You know what I'm saying? Like it was over. I was going to have to go get a real job. Now I didn't have a choice. I had yeah. to go find a way to make money. I was so freaking broke. I was about to either file bankruptcy or I was going to sell my condo and take the 20 grand in equity out that I had and pay off some of my debt and go back to renting an apartment or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know. Like I, was, I was gonna have to do something. And, um, i'm sorry you took like i mean you took the
0: real big leap of faith like when you said you you sold a truck to get the six thousand dollars worth of leads right that that was that was a huge leap of faith in like that you had to take
1: but yeah i didn't have it. i mean what was the other option yeah you know like this guy that's you know telling me like hey you got to do what it takes to make it win like this like i made this dude show me his bank account because the guy that i was working for before i thought like they act like they were making a bunch of money i found out they really weren't mm. but this guy i was like dude you you like you're telling me you're this fucking elite insurance sales guy i was like show me your bank account let me see the money let me see that the guy i know is trying to get me to come work with him is is the, is the real deal
2: yeah
1: and he, he's like he's like, i'll show you he's like hold on and he pulled up his bank account, bro. This dude had like $230,000 in his checking account. And like, he showed me like $17,000 in deposits within like a week span, all from different insurance companies, all commission, all his name right there. And I was like, yeah, you, you the fucking man, bro. I was like, you're the guy I need to learn from. And as soon yeah. as he showed me that and he showed me the money was real, I bought a plane ticket that night, and I went up and met him in Del- Delaware. That mm. was when I first met him. We did training. We were working in the hood of Wilmington, Delaware, bro. In the in the hood, yeah, selling final expense burial insurance in the straight hood of Wilmington, Delaware. And I saw this dude go out in the hood, a white guy in the hood, all black neighborhoods. And I saw this dude make ten thousand dollars in four days. What? Yeah, and I was like, "Yo, this dude's a man." How the hell did he even do that? Because the commissions are so high, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like if, if you, I mean, you can, on average, I would say the commission off a life insurance policy is like 800 to $1,500, you know? So if you got four days of appointments, you got six, eight appointments a day and you're closing two a day, you know, you close two out of eight or three at eight or whatever and then you got four days of appointments you put up six seven apps in a week like yeah you're gonna make five ten grand in your pocket
0: wow that's so crazy
1: it's just a numbers game like uh, like sales is like people like people like you always hear people say shit like oh sales isn't for me right it's like why i always ask them, why why is sales not Mm. for you because you're not good at it right nobody's fucking good at anything they just they, that they just start it takes practice right like you're not mm. going to just you're not going to just start learning to be an electrician and all of a sudden you know what the guy who's been doing it eight years knows it's yeah. you know like sales you're just an actor you have lines you need to learn right it's a it's a it's a copycat system like once you learn what to say and how to say it, you just have to say it in front of enough people. That's all it is. It's a, numbers, yeah, it's a game. numbers game. Yeah. It's like, you're an actor, right? Like once I teach you what to say, it's, it's like Leo says in Wolf of wall street, right? Yeah. It's like, this is all you gotta do, bro. All you have to do is speak the words that I have taught you. And I will show you how to make more money than any CEO in America. Yeah. And that's true. That's all it is. Like it's, we all say the same shit. I mean, but there is an individual thing to it. Right. Yeah. You You gotta have the charisma still the likability trust. So there's different things you can do to work on your, your personality and, and becoming a better salesperson and, and being a better, uh, you know, persuasion and things like that. But for the most part, man, it's just, it's just activity. You know, once you learn what to say, you're just an actor, you have lines like, okay. Well, this guy made more money than you this week because he sat down with twenty people this week and said that and you only sat down with ten.
0: Yeah. So on like on average, let's say like you get fifty people, how did that how many of those fifty people actually buy in?
1: I would say like on average, like with life insurance, you're closing maybe two out of ten.
0: Wow. That's not bad. 20% is pretty fucking solid.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like 20% of your leads, right? So, like, let's say you get 50 leads for a week. You're probably going to close 20% of those. Not your appointments, but just the leads in general. Mm. If you work them hard enough, you know? And so...
2: And then you you also... You
1: have to fail. You have to basically fail 80% of the time to make a six-figure income.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean... Some people can't handle that. Some people are really thin skinned enough where they can't handle right, the constant yeah. rejection.
1: And that's why I tell every every new person I've ever trained. I say the only thing standing between you and making the money you want is you getting in your feelings about somebody telling you no. Wow.
0: That's deep. That's, that's actually it. a lot deeper like than you think. Like the only thing separating you and the money you want to make is your feelings
1: that's it it's all it's all yeah it's just your feelings you get into your feelings about somebody telling you no yeah. that's it because it's any any sales thing is a numbers game right like even if you didn't work leads like if you got an insurance license and you go stand out in front of walmart in the parking lot and you pitch a hundred people walking into walmart life insurance right if you pitch enough of them one of them's going by yeah you could probably make $1,000 a day just standing in front of Walmart if you talk to enough strangers, if you're willing to do that, yeah. right? But most people aren't willing to do what it takes to be successful. Yeah. I was willing to do what it takes. All I, needed, all I needed to do was meet somebody that was winning and show me how to win, right? So I found a guy who was making a shit ton of money selling insurance, and I said, I want to make a shit ton of money selling insurance. How do you do this? Show me how to do it. And I fucking did everything he said to do, and I took notes and I worked hard and I asked questions and I was a student. You know, I was coach, I was coachable. That's the that was the difference. I'm coachable. Yeah. You know?
0: So knowing what you know now, if you could go back to beginning Matt Van Buren with the fight game, would you still go through all of that in the fight game or would you have gone like just straight into like the sales
1: no of course i would have done the fight thing
0: like you wouldn't pass yeah, that up,
1: no or? of course not because life's about experience man you can always make money right mm. and shit i mean i don't know it's hard to say but honestly i didn't think i was going to be as good at the business world as i was I'm, i don't know but uh i don't regret the fight thing at all i'm i'm fighting is what Fighting is what built the background, the discipline for me to be a successful business owner and entrepreneur. You know what I mean yeah. It's just taking the that that can't lose can't quit attitude in applying it to business, right? So no matter how many times I fail, right like the difference is I just failed more times than most people were willing to, right? like mm-hmm. I, like I said, I almost quit insurance because I was failing. And most people would have quit before me. And they would have went back to their job, especially if they came from, see, I just didn't have anything to go back to. That was the thing that kept me hanging on longer, right? Like, I, did, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm not like some of these guys who had a W-2 job where they were making 70, 80 grand a year, they were making good money, and then they're trying this, and then it's not working out. And like, well, fuck, I'm going back to my job, making 80 grand a year with benefits and vacation,
0: yeah, the state I didn't net. have
1: I didn't have a safety net. I was like, this is it. I gotta make this work. And so I think, and plus I'm just too stubborn too, you know. Like I, I, yeah. I started getting stubborn and then honestly, I started getting pissed again. I was like motivated anger in the right direction, right? I was like, I started getting mad that I felt like I wasn't good enough to mm. make it in life insurance because they're like they told me 92% of life insurance agents fail in the first two years. Are you going to be the 92% or the 8%? And I'm like, I'm the fucking 8%. I'm the 1%. I'm going to be number one in this bitch, you know? Yeah. And I was just, I just honestly was refusing to accept that I wasn't good enough to make the money these guys made, you know, because I followed them in the house. I shadowed them, you know, I was a fly on the wall. I I sat with these guys and they run appointments and I watched them go through the whole presentation sell. And I would just sit there and be like, there's no way this guy's better than me. I can be that good. I just got to keep working. And yeah. that was my, you know, I, was like, I just got to keep working a little harder. I was like, he's not better than me. He's just been doing it longer. Yeah. And that's what I just kept telling myself. And so every night I'd come home, I would record all my presentations in the house. Right. And then I would send them to my mentor and he would listen to him. He'd be like, stop saying this, say this, don't do this, do this. You know what I mean? And yeah. then I would listen to it myself. And I'd be like, Oh, I shouldn't have said this. I should have said this. And so it was just listening to recordings and just coaching myself, putting in that extra work. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It's like watching tape.
1: Yeah. The nine nine to five is the nine to five, but there's still a six to 10. Right. And so, so the game day is nine to five. And then after that's over, it's now it's now that that's where the coaching and the learning comes in. So now at night, when I get home from work, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better at my sales presentation. I'm trying not to stutter. I'm trying to be smoother with my words. I'm trying to sound smarter than I am. You know?
0: I mean, you're, you're a smart dude, man. You, you definitely it. figured it out. Like you definitely figured it out. I mean, some people, you know, some people are, are more naturally gifted in this area than others and vice versa. So it's like the fact that you're, you, you really just put in the effort you put in the work
2: That's
0: like, it. and the word, the hard work pays off. If you could give, Any advice to, to these guys that are coming up that are just starting in the UFC and and want to fight, like, what would your biggest piece of advice be?
1: Uh, like the biggest thing that I wish I did different was all that free time I had the years I lived in California, the years I lived in Florida, when I was just essentially living the college life with no education, I would have gotten education during that time. Like go to the gym train in the morning, but commit at least two or three hours every day to learning a skill, whether, you know, just some type of skill to make money,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, because you're never going to have that much free time in your life again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you have that much downtime to where you can learn skills that are going to make you money in the future.
0: Yeah. And I mean,
1: And and even if, even if you do make it to the UFC and you're the next Mike Chandler and you make millions of dollars, If you were to apply skills during that time during your fighting, now when you get the millions of dollars, you've maybe you learned real estate. You learned, you know, Grant Cardone, multifamily real estate investing. Now when you get all this money, you know what to do with it. So you don't have to worry about going broke because you can invest your millions of dollars into apartment buildings and you can live off the cash flow because
0: you you know what you're doing
1: now. You know what I mean? You're not just like. You're, you're not, not getting you're hustled. Behind. Like,
0: there's yeah. a less of a chance of getting hustled. I mean, like, that's what happened with uh, uh, Johnny Hendricks, right? Like, he took a bunch of money and then he went to open up a bunch of steakhouses and he had a bunch of people running it, didn't know what they were doing, and, like, lost it all. Oh,
1: did he? Oh, you yeah, yeah. It? He lost it well,
0: all, dude. He lost it all. That's so what I think. This he, was
1: recently, like, after he in was the fighting?
0: Last, yeah, yeah. Like, it was like, oh, dude, shit. he, like, lost a bunch of money. I think they closed, like, they had to close the steakhouses and stuff. He put a ton of money into it.
1: Wow. That's so, like, unfortunate. Yeah. See, he, that's 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 yeah, that's like the blind leading the blind, you know. Clearly, he didn't have the business plan and set. Like, he didn't yeah. know what he was doing, and he didn't know what he was doing enough to make sure that the people he knew he had in charge knew what they were doing. You know. Yeah.
0: Did you get people like I know where where I'm taking up a, a lot of your time, so I I don't want to take too much more. But I'm just everything that you're saying, like it's just like resonates so much. Like, did you have? once they started seeing you on TV on the UFC, like after all those years of saying like, you're never going to make it, like, did you have people start coming out of the woodworks and being buddy buddies?
1: Oh, this is, so I'm glad you went there. Cause that was, this was an important topic that I wanted to touch on that I had completely forgot. And you just reminded me. <laughs> so it's just like anything in life, right? Well, the biggest, the biggest thing I've learned in the last 15 years whether it's MMA or business or whatever, it's kind of kind of what you talked about, right? Everybody, everybody loves to love a winner, right? And and what I mean by that is like we talked about earlier when I told everybody I was going to fight in the UFC, right? Like maybe a couple of my closest friends, like, were supportive and they were like. Yeah, you're the man, you can do whatever you want. And maybe they really did believe that. I don't know. But, and, but maybe they were just saying that to be supportive. But the fact is, most people weren't, right? Mm. And that's anything. Uh, see, the thing is, when you, when you try to level up in life, what I've learned, when you try to level up in life, whether that's going from a local amateur fighter to fighting the UFC to somebody who aspires to make millions of dollars and own businesses, The people in your circle have two choices. They can either level up with you or they can get behind, right? Mm -hmm. And if they stay where they're at when you're moving forward, a lot of times they create envy and it can, it can create tension in the relationship, you know, because they feel like if you're moving forward and you're doing what you're saying they're doing and they're still in the same spot, they have to justify to themselves why they can't do it. Does mm-hmm. that make sense?
0: Yeah. They, they come so, up with the excuses.
1: Right. And so that's where the excuses start. And it's all bullshit, right? It, at the end of the day, it's most of it's just a lack of work ethic is what it boils down to. But, like, my mom was the worst. For example, like, my mom, I love my mom, but she's kind of a negative person, right? Like, overall. Like, like people, we all have those family members or friends, right? And so... It wasn't until I made it to the UFC and I cashed, you know, $40,000 checks and $60,000 checks, all my friends and family, Mm -hmm. like I knew you could do it. I knew you were going to make it and blah, blah, blah. Right. Bullshit. No, you fucking didn't. And you, none of y'all fucking believed in me. You only believe me now because I made it. Yeah. So let's cut the bullshit. Right. That's the reality of how it works, but sure as shit, What? Where were those people when I got cut from the UFC, when I got hurt, when I lost all that money I made, when I started going through the surgeries, when I was broke, when I was struggling, when I was fucking depressed, and I can't get healthy enough to get back in the gym, what do you think they were saying then?
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, I knew it. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, you should, man. I, I, yeah.
1: I knew you should have. I knew you should have went to college. You should have got a job. You should have did this. You should have did that. So people love to love you when they're winning, and they love to tell you they told you so when you're losing, right? Yeah. And so, the biggest thing I can tell people is like, whatever you want to do in life, whether it's fighting or business or whatever, whatever you want to chase, like, don't fucking listen to anybody that doesn't support you. Like if you have in your mind and your heart, you want to do something, then you fucking do it. And you don't listen to what your brother says, what your friend says, your mom says, like, because most people I have, I'm not going to put him out there because I'm not (laughs) whatever. I'm not going to just drop the name, but I had a, he's a very famous coach and I had a coach one time uh, and he told me something and he said, Matt, he said, the reality is, 97% 97% of the people on this planet are losers and only 3% are winners. Now, some people might think that's a harsh statement and maybe it is, but the reality is it's true because it doesn't matter. You're talking about athletics or business. 97% of people are losers, right? Mm. Because they, they will come up with an excuse or a reason as to why they can't win. And if anything, I, I hope my story motivates people to let them know that that's completely bullshit because I wasn't an athlete in school, right? I did, I fucking ashamed to admit it. I fucking smoked cigarettes in high school for two years, right? I didn't go to fucking college. I don't know anything about business. like. But what I what I do know how to do is I know how to go to fucking work mm-hmm. and I know how to ask questions and I know how to pick up a book and read it. And I know how to watch YouTube, and I know how to find information, right? And I and I was broke. I didn't have a business loan. I didn't have a rich dad to to help me out. Like I I literally went from nothing to making over six figures a year all my own, busting my ass. Yeah. And so the reality is is most people with anything in life just have reasons and excuses why they can't accomplish it, and people close to them will always support them when they're winning and always turn on them when they start losing does that make sense yeah i'm sure you've seen that yeah, yeah right like it's in my family that was just the biggest thing with the fight career man it was everybody loved to talk shit and then when i made it on the ultimate fighter and i had some money and, and then i was the man everybody I yeah. knew you could do it i knew you could do it right
0: it's like, oh, my yeah, son's I, this, this. My son's in the UFC. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And then then you get hurt and you get cut. You lose some money. You start going down. Oh, I knew. See, it's fighting's dangerous. You should have went to college. You should have got a job. You should have this. My mom did the same thing when I got an insurance, bro. I started telling her about how the insurance business worked. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm struggling. I'm buying. I'm spending $1,000 on leads every week. I'm getting my ass kicked, blah, blah, blah. What does my mom say? Well, you need to go get a job where you don't have to spend money every week. Yeah, I'm like, well, you ain't going to make any fucking money if you ain't working in high commission sales, because even if you make $50 an hour, there's only so many hours in a week you can work. You're only going to make, you'll never make $5,000 in a day. Even if you make, even if you make $200 an hour, you can never make 500,000. You can never make $5,000 in a day, right? It's impossible. But I've made five thousand dollars in a day selling so life insurance, multiple times.
0: Yeah, Multiple. Well, people, a, a lot of people don't understand that that conversion. Like, I, when it clicked on me, and the funny part, one of the main reasons why I actually really got into watches is once I started really understanding the concept of what time really is. And when you get that time is money, it's like that's why I wear a watch everywhere I go yeah. because I look at my it time. It's like, dude, you wasted an hour of my fucking time. You wasted 20 minutes of my fucking time. Why? Like, yeah. I'm not getting those back. That's time, time that I could have gone, could have gone money, could have gone training, could have gone spend time with my family. Like, even sitting there, like... If I get to go have fun with my dog for 30 minutes, that means more to me and my time than bullshitting with someone talking about like, Oh, well they don't want to do this, this, that, and the other. My life fucking sucks. Like, Hey, your life sucks. That's on you. Like, cause you could have spent that time bitching about it, making it better.
1: And you'll always, you'll always be able to make more money, right? You always be able to get money back, but you'll never be able to get time back. And so now that's another thing as you get through this you got to be more you you got to be careful where you spend your time and who you spend it spend it with right yeah because most people too when i've realized like let's just say like pe- like people hit me up all the time like wanting to ask them about like how to make more money or this and this and it's like if i gave them most people you could give them like it doesn't matter who it is like some famous guy could teach them a step-by-step blueprint to make a million dollars in a year And if they did it, it would work, but most people won't even do it. It's crazy because there's no value in it because there's no value in something you give somebody for free. Right. And so a lot of times, and that's another thing I had a mentor teach me. He was like, don't give people free information on specialized knowledge. And he's Mm -hmm. like, it's not even about you making money off it. It's for them. He's like the money's not for you. It's for them. Right. Because If I tell you something, right? Like if I say, hey, do this, 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 and this, and you could make five grand off this watch, right? You'd be like, all right, cool. But there's no real value there. I mean, you know what I'm saying is valuable, but you're not invested in it. So you didn't earn it. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean a whole lot to you, right? But Uh, if I was like, if I was like, if give me a thousand dollars and I'm going to teach you this and you're going to do this, this, and this, you're going to take way more action on the same thing I told you that you paid me $1,000 for, if I told you the same thing and you didn't pay me anything, right? Because your money's in it now. You're investing it. You're like, damn, I spent $1,000 for Matt to tell me this and this. Shit, I better do what he says, right? Because because you know you spent your money on it, so you want to get that return back. But if I just give it to you for free, you're not going to do much with it.
0: Yeah. And it's funny. Yeah, no, it's funny. I
1: found that to be true. No, a hundred
0: percent, a hundred percent. And it's funny because you mentioned it because when I first started my business, there's people that we both know actually that like, fuck me over pretty good. Because when I was starting up my marketing business, I was looking at it on the aspect of like, I want to be the honest person to help somebody else like improve. And then they would go and they'd ask me all these questions and I'd give them that free information. no problem. Next thing I know, it's like, hey, fuck you, and they're not answering my phone call anymore. They took my marketing strategy, decided to go and do it. Well, guess what? Like it still failed for them because they didn't know how to do it. They just thought that it was going to be like plug and play, do it and it's done. Like it doesn't work that way exactly so it's like you fucked me over but at the end you screwed yourself over so it's like now i know the kind of person that that person is and i know where to keep them but it's like you learn that lesson like it's funny like uh um was it the the batman movie when it's like the joker it's like if you're good at something you don't do it for free like that's it that's just the 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 way that that i look at it now kind of thing but dude i took up enough of your time man i so appreciate this man
1: yeah it was a lot of fun and i'd love to do it again in a few months
0: dude anytime you want man just shoot me a message man we bullshit back and forth on facebook all the time anyway so like i almost got you that that pillow fighting fight so we we hey, almost any, had
1: hey any of them put this out there anybody you know i'll cut you in because there's plenty to go around anybody you know it's in the high-end watches, you send them to me, and any, I deal, any deal I do off them, I'll cut you on the profit.
0: Yeah, I got you, dude. I'll, I'll hit you up, because that, that is something that over. we got to talk it. But there's other stuff that I do that, that you probably don't know about, so for sure, that's something that, that we can get into, for sure. Yeah. So I got you. I'll hit you up after. But guys, make sure you go give Matt a follow. Follow him on Twitter, uh, Gutter MMA on Twitter, MattVBB757, uh, and the MVB Luxury. Definitely go follow the MVB Luxury Instagram accounts. So I have everything on the description for the for the YouTube channel and on Spotify. Matt, is there anything else you want to leave the the people with?
1: No, that's it, man. Thanks, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, no, dude, thank you, man. And, I appreciate and,
1: and it. Just just work hard. That's yeah. it,
0: dude. No, like I said, like the the conversation that we had today like resonated pretty pretty heavy with me like on a lot of stuff and i'm sure there's there's going to be questions afterwards like fuck i should have asked him this too but dude we thank do you it so again. much we'll
1: do it again man for sure anytime
0: dude anytime i'm sure now like a couple of uh our mutual friends now are gonna see you like on uh, on camera they're gonna like try and light you up now you see <laughs> we'll get a dms matt dude thank you so much man have a great rest of the sunday go get that get that paper dude and i'll uh, i'll catch up with you later on man
1: thanks buddy
0: take care take care man well guys i hope you enjoyed that episode big thank you to matt van buren for taking the time out of his busy schedule making all that money selling them watches selling that insurance to uh to sit down with me on a sunday afternoon man and kind of really open up um i honestly feel that matt has not gotten the credit that he deserves not only as a fighter but obviously as a businessman i think it's something that that In the future, uh, we should definitely see more from him as far as, you know, business advice and uh, overall life advice. So make sure you guys give him a follow. Uh, I'm definitely going to be picking his brain some more. I really loved a lot of the things that Matt had to say. And, um, you know, even just as a fan uh, of Matt from his fighting days to hear how well he is doing now and knowing semi firsthand on like all the struggles that he went through. Uh, It's really cool. It's really cool to see, like I said, uh, in the podcast. um, You know, I had those conversations with him, like when he was fighting, he was still, you know, training and like in between sparring and stuff like that. I mean, uh, I I have photos of him sparring with, you know, guys like Rumble, Vulcan, Ozdemir, all these uh, amazing athletes and stuff and, you know, going through everything that he did. He was still fighting elite level fighters, but, you know, it's stuff that that the general public doesn't see that happens um, in the life of fighters. So I think it was a real good eye-opener for, for a lot of people. So I hope you enjoyed it. Also, I want to say a big thank you to all of our sponsors, Chokaloha and Jujitsu jitsu Soapco. Guys, make sure you check out the promo codes down at the bottom of the screen, whether you're looking at us on YouTube or if you got us on Spotify. Um, go check out our sponsors. Chocaloha makes some of the best gear. They just uh, did a pre order for rash guards that benefit uh, the police. And then Jujitsu Soap Co is still the best soap. I don't care. I, I will trash talk any other uh, Jujitsu based uh, soap companies. Jujitsu Soap Co is the best. There's not a single person that hasn't purchased one of our. Uh, jiu-jitsu radio collab bars that didn't enjoy it and wants it again there's not a single person i ever heard say anything bad about, ju- about jiu-jitsu Soap co uh products so check them out big thank you to all of them for all the support even the last couple of months that uh the podcast is being dormant i really really appreciate it also don't forget to check out my twitch channel we stream a couple of times a week we do all sorts of different games, variety games. We'll watch some YouTube videos. We'll watch some, uh, some fight videos, all sorts of stuff. It's a great community. Join the Discord channel for everything from video games to movies to memes to whatever. Check them all out. And with that being said, please... If you really enjoyed the podcast, hit the subscribe button. Hit the little notification bell. It's a click for you, but it's big support for for us to get you guys more content. I do have plans for, for a lot more stuff coming out, and we're back on the road with this thing. And don't forget to check out my band, Sons of a Tradesman. We got the album up on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll catch you guys later. we